0: great days before and but we're in great days now and I'm reminded in Isaiah where it says but forget all that so we can honor the past but we don't live in the past because it says forget all that because I'm about to do a new thing I'm doing a new thing do you not see it and in this church God is doing something really really powerful and really incredible and um, the church is looking good when I say the church is looking good, I'm like, the church is looking good. Like, you know, you can sense in the meetings, can't you, that it's all shifted up a gear. The meetings are shifted up a gear. The worship, the warfare that's going on in worship at the moment as people are, chains are being broken. And and you, f- you can feel the, the gear change that's happened. And you know why? It's because collectively we're all up for it. We're up for it. We're saying, Lord, take us further, take us further. Let us see you even greater. Let us see you in a more powerful way because we're engaged with it. Because it's never that God isn't willing, and it isn't that God isn't able, He's always able, and He's always willing. But you know what's happening? We're engaged with it. We're engaged, and there's an excitement about coming to the house. I mean, that's so wonderful when you hear the, the chatter of people, but the excitement that's within them. I remember years ago, uh, oh when I want to say years ago, probably about four or five years ago, having a dream. And it was a dream of the church in the years to come, of this church. And it was we were in a specific building. I don't know what building it was. Um it could be this building, but a new build of it, I don't know. But I remember coming in at the back door. And coming down to sit on the front row and I can remember even now the atmosphere in this dream and the chattering of people as people were ready and getting ready for the worship to start. And about three weeks ago, I walked in through the back door and I went, this is it, this is it. And that's when God spoke to me and said, you know that next level you've been talking about? Well, you're in it. Now do it well. Because there's a next level. And then do that well because there's a next level. And there is an excitement and anticipation in the hearts of these people in this church of what he's going to do. And, and there's a, an outpouring happening of the Holy Spirit on us. And, and I, like, do you feel it? Yeah. 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 Yeah, we do. We feel it, don't we? And um, if you're new here tonight and you've never been to us before, you're welcome. And we've been expecting you. And uh, we've been preparing for you and we've been praying for you. And if you've been here, uh, I don't know, from the beginning, like me, mum and Auntie Stella. (laughs) we've been preparing for us too, you know. (laughs) We prepare for every single person that's going to walk through the doors. Just because you've been here 10 years doesn't make you any less important. Um, We are a church that is for people. I was watching a television program. Well, I wasn't. You know, kind of something comes on. I don't really, really watch telly that much, but something came on, and it was a program about buying and renting property. And it was something like, to rent or to buy, you know, something like really catchy like that, Um, something (laughs) mind-blowing, to rent or to buy. And they were talking about the pros and cons of both. You see, to rent is a transient thing. To rent is something that's a short-term agreement. To rent is something that you can move on like that if you need to. To rent is something that you don't invest in because it's somebody else's problem. Um, But to buy, the minute you buy you put an investment in. The minute you buy, you commit. The minute you buy, you take responsibility for. The minute you buy, when you buy something, there is room for growth. When you buy a house, that is somewhere where you will grow. You may grow older there. You may grow a family there. But it is because you have committed. When you buy something, when you buy into something, it's not something that you can just walk away from. Because it's where you've put your roots down and it's where you've planted yourself. And you know, when I was watching this program, something came to me and it was this. The church is not for rent. The church is not for rent. And I don't know where tonight finds you. But I can tell you one thing is that the church is not for rent. It was never God's plan for people to rent the church. It was God's plan for people to buy into the church and put roots down in the church and grow in the church and flourish in the church and commit to the church and be responsible for the church. The church is not for rent. Yeah. And, and I, I don't know who's in this room. I know a lot of you, you don't rent the church. But maybe you'll sat there tonight and you're like, you know, that's me. The church is not for rent. God did not design the church for you to rent. He designed the church for you to belong. He designed the church for you to belong. We have a property that we rented out. It was our family home. And we were there probably about a good 10 years. And we would have stayed there if we'd stopped having children. (laughs) Because we go back in that house and I'm like, how did we ever fit five children in this flipping house, love? It was like small and we didn't, we're like they were coming out the rafters, and you know, it came to me, we we're like, we're gonna have to move on. Um, and, um, but we've had tenants in that house, and the slight change of circumstance, <laughs> those tenants just got off. They'd not done anything to the house because it wasn't their responsibility, they'd not been responsible because why bother it's somebody else's. But you see, when we lived in that house, oh, we loved that house. We decorated that house. We invested in that house. That was where our heart was. That's where we, there was growth. There was growth. like I mean, like, quite practically growth. But there was growth. There was growth seeing our children grow. There was growth spiritually in that house where me and Barry sometimes like there's a a girl in the church not Abraham like she got saved on her knees in the living room of that house you know there was growth there was growth for the 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 family of God in that house and the church isn't for rent the church is something that we invest in and we commit to it's a place where we remain it's a place of warmth and it's a place of love and when we stop renting the church, we bring all of those things and we invest it into the church. We invest it together. So with your investment of warmth and your investment of love and your investment of time, the church becomes even more glorious. And the church always brings glory to his name. It's never about a man. It's never about a woman. It's never about a title. It's always about him. And he designed the church. And the church isn't a place to be in and out of. The church is a place to put our roots down. Listen to this. Psalm 92, starting in verse 12, says, The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age and they will stay fresh and green. I want to give honor and credit to the older people of this house who you look at Joyce and you look at Tina and you look at Stella and you see how in old age they are ripe, <laughs> they are green, they are flourishing. Why? Because they planted the hat themselves in the house of the Lord and no matter what storm came their way personally, no matter what storm came their way within the church, they remained planted. Planted in the house of the Lord, you will flourish. Planted in the house of the Lord, I will flourish. And you will never regret planting yourself in the house of the Lord, but you don't rent the house of the Lord, it's not for rent. It's to planting and it's to growing. You know, for me this morning, it just spoke volumes because people were getting up on this stage, person after person after person, being vulnerable before us all and saying what was going on in their lives saying their difficulties, and my goodness me, I don't know whether anybody else was, me and Barry are in a very privileged position because we do know what goes on because people come and speak to us as the pastors. But even though I knew some of those situations, when I actually saw the emotion in people's lives and in people's world, I'm like, my goodness me, my goodness me, we need to be the church. We need to be the church because if we look around, you would call Hope Church your home. If you look around you, I would question or ask you to question, how much do you know about the people sat around you? How much do you and me engage in people's worlds? Because when we own the church when we are planted and rooted in the church there is a responsibility on us to invest in the church and when people stood up there today I was like my gosh they need the church they need the church that we should be standing shoulder to shoulder with people not with a oh great how do you do nice to see you how are you doing and you hope everybody says okay back to you because if you're not you're in for a long conversation We'll just throw a flippant line out. Oh, how are you? Great to see you. And then we leave. Not everybody. But it's a choice to invest and begin to invest in this family, in this church. Love. The church should always function on love. Without love, we have nothing. A house is shaken without the right foundations. And without love, This house is shaken because God is love. It says we love because he first loved. He was the one. He was the one that set it in motion. His great love is why we love. But how do we show love? How can we act out love when we're not connected with the people that are in this family to know what's happening? You know, love it's a powerful thing. You know, I, I kind of played around with it to bring this word and I kind of knew I had to and I prepared another one like kind of in the hopes I didn't have to bring this one because I'm like, oh, you know when you talk about love, it, it can come across a little bit weak like yeah, we all know about God's love. But I would question myself. I might feel I know about God's love but what am I doing with my knowledge of God's love? Because this church needs an action of God's love before we can even go and conquer the world we can go and conquer the world we can go and say we need to do evangelism in the area around us which absolutely we do and we're looking at but what will people find when they walk in because we don't want to show all this love out there and then suddenly somebody walks in and they're like okay this this isn't what I signed up for now I actually think we're an incredibly loving church I really believe we're an incredibly loving church. I know that, not because I'm the pastor, but because of the reports that come in, that people come in and say that they find love here and they find like, one of our favorite strap lines is you belong here. You belong here and people walk through the doors and they stay because they belong. But as, a, um, as, as the body, as the church of Jesus Christ, I just want to talk for a, a few moments tonight. It's not going to be a long word. It's not going to be as short as Tony's this morning. Wow. <laughs> it was literally preached for three minutes. <laughs> 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 oh. But first of all, I'm going to look at John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35. I'm taking this out the Passion Translation. So I give you now a new commandment. Love each other just as much as I have loved you. Just as much. Wow. I don't think there's any of us in here who can't say we can grow in love. Because Jesus is saying, love just as much as I loved you. And... Tonight, the church, we are being challenged to maybe press reset on our thinking of what love actually is and start to look at how in this church can we love as Jesus loved us, just as much as Jesus loved us. For when you demonstrate the same love I have for you by loving one another everyone will know that you're my true followers. So I've challenged myself on this. I don't think I scored very high. (laughs) Because I'm like, how do people read me? Can people read me as a true follower? Because it says when I start to love people like he loved, then they will know that I'm a true follower. Now the fact that I'm not, loving as much as Jesus loved me in all areas is not to condemn me but it is to challenge me it is to challenge me about my um my speech about the time that I give to people it is to challenge me and this isn't to condemn anybody tonight but this is a stirring up church of listen before we start going out let's make sure we're loving here we saw people's lives this morning without the Lord in turmoil in turmoil People who come every week and they stand with their arms in worship because they know that no matter what is going on, that although they feel surrounded, they know that he surrounds him. Yeah, ones that still come and worship, ones that are still encouraging, ones that are still giving out and I looked at people and every one of them, are, as I looked at them, I thought, wow, I see you week in, week out with your arms in praise to Jesus when your life is crumbling around you. But you know it's not crumbling because you know who he is. But as they are encouraging others, who is encouraging them? Who is encouraging them? I was so challenged. I'm like, okay, right. I know I have something. I'm involved in every one of their worlds in some way. But are my words encouraging? Am I carrying a responsibility for them? Am I carrying a load? How much does it take to make someone feel special? Very little very little, to feel that a load is being carried for them. I have had great people and still have great people that carry loads for me. Some of the people that got up on this platform this morning and talked about the way their world is at the moment message me nearly on a daily basis to ask, do I need prayer for anything? Because they know that although they feel surrounded, the truth is that they are surrounded by him. But I pray that people in this church and all the people that are coming to this church would feel surrounded when they walked in. Because actually God's raised us, us, the church, to carry loads, to invest into people's lives. To not be able to just flit off when we feel like it and drop people when we feel like it. Because we don't rent the church. Every person in Hope Church does not rent the church I believe in that, that every person will grab hold of this vision tonight that God's given us of a greater love beyond what we already love. Beyond what we already love. You know, how close does our love get to people? Jesus over and over and over again moved towards people's mess. Jesus didn't love from afar Jesus moved towards people's mess. He saw people in a mess. He saw people that to everybody else probably didn't even look a mess. But he saw beyond. He saw beyond Zacchaeus in the tree. Zacchaeus, he was a businessman. He was just little. So we climbed a tree. And to everybody else, he probably looked quite hard-faced and like he'd got it all together. But Jesus saw beyond. And Jesus was drawn to his mess. And Jesus was like, Zacchaeus, come on, because we're going to eat together. We are going to eat together. I had a lovely time last week having dinner with somebody, a lovely lady in this church who I know is going through a lot and has been through a lot. You know what? Best moment of my week. Because as we sat and we ate together, coming out of it you realise the goodness of God and you realise the faithfulness of God and Jesus was always drawn towards people's mess he came through for them he came he didn't just ditch them halfway he gave them truth maybe part of the journey they did need to walk themselves but he made sure he invested truth into them he made sure he invested love he made sure he invested hope he made sure those people didn't leave him feeling like they were alone in a mess Jesus was always drawn towards. So if we're talking about loving as much as Jesus loved, Jesus was drawn to my mess. Jesus did not abandon me in my mess. He did not walk away from my mess. Jesus was drawn to my mess. Jesus raised people up who would support me in my mess. And I believe, church, that we need to be a people who are drawn towards people's mess. And you know, we like to say in the church church, oh anybody can come in anybody's welcome anybody's and you know when the broken come in there's going to be a mess and we've got to be okay with that we've not got to look at people like oh we've got to be okay with that and then we need to look beyond like what Jesus did with Zacchaeus and say hey you come on let's go and and grab a coffee hey you You're coming down to the cafe after church. Hey, you. It isn't always the ones that walk in off the street that need to see the love of Jesus. There are people in our midst who we need to see beyond and move towards the mess that life has brought them. If you think about it, the blind man beside the road, Jesus stopped and he turned to his mess. Jesus turned to his mess. He didn't shut him up like other people tried to. Jesus turned to his mess. Jesus turned to his desperation for sight. Jesus turned. Jesus could have kept going. Oh, Jesus had an important plan. Jesus had important meetings. If we think we're busy and we think we've got important agendas, I promise you this, Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, He had important meetings to go to. But he turned. And he saw the blind man. And he turned into the mess. And he turned to the woman caught in the act of adultery. And he turned to the mess. And he showed her a love. He showed her a love. And he gave her truth. But he turned to the mess. The lame man lying beside the pool. Jesus turned to the mess. And God's asking us tonight, does our love get close to people's situations and circumstances? Or does our love weigh from afar? You're right. How often do we sit with people in this house, in this family? When we look around the room, do we know the circumstances that people are in? Maybe not. But look beyond. Look beyond. And let's be like Jesus. You know, his love was more powerful than their mess. And he showed them that. He showed them that, oh, you're blind? You're blind? That's It's okay. It's okay. You've sinned? That's okay. Because my love goes beyond your mess. Because my sacrifice. Jesus says tonight, my sacrifice, this is for somebody in this room, my sacrifice on the cross goes beyond your mess. Goes beyond your mess and you are sitting in judgment and you are sitting in condemnation. And Jesus says, my sacrifice, the pain I went through, went beyond your mess. And he loves you so dearly, so dearly tonight. As a church, we need to be connected in the family. We need to be connected with one another. There are so many needs in this church in people's lives. I consider that a blessing. I consider it a blessing that God is bringing people along here who we can help. But we're not renting the church So, it's not something we can walk away from. It's something we invest into. Romans chapter 12, verse 9 and 10, it says this let the inner movement, I've taken it from this translation on purpose because let the inner movement of your heart, the inner movement, like when I read that, that really got me because it's like, it's not superficial, it's not surface. What's being said here is let the inner movement of your heart, something deep, something that stirs you, it says here, let the inner movement of your heart always be to love one another and never play the role of an actor wearing a mask. Despise evil and embrace everything that is good and virtuous. Be devoted to tenderly loving your fellow believers as members of one family. Try to outdo yourselves in respect and honor of one another. Let the inner movement of our hearts endeavor to love just as much as Jesus the inner movement of our heart. This is where sometimes talking about love, it can be a bit fluffy and it can be a bit, you know, surface. And oh, we've all heard about God's love. This is saying, right? We got to get past that. This is saying, no. That Vicky, God's saying to me, Vicky, let the inner movement of your heart, the inner movement of your heart, Vicky. I'm challenging you. What is the inner movement of your heart? That's what God's been saying to me, Vicky. What is the inner movement? Not so that you're ticking boxes and doing the right thing and sending out a text and, you know, making sure, giving somebody a little rub on the back. Vicki, what's the inner movement of your heart? Is your inner movement to love my people like I loved you? What is your inner movement? It says, never play the role of an actor wearing a mask. Let our love be genuine. Jesus His love was always genuine. It was always authentic. It was always the real deal. When we love, let it be that we're not wearing a mask. Let it be that when people can see that we are genuinely, genuinely wanting to invest in their lives. That we genuinely want to walk this road with them. Jesus walked roads with people. He didn't just leave them where they were. He walked roads with people. Let it be that we genuinely, genuinely walk roads with people. In the other translation, it says this. Same scripture. Don't just pretend to love others. Have you ever done that? I have. (laughs) I have. I've pretended to love people. I actually like wasn't very great years ago. I could never have been a pastor. Because I remember we went to Florida to visit my sister and we went at Christmas time. And like, this, like I'm over this, everybody. It's okay. I'm over it. Like, cause if someone asked me to do this now, just for the record, good job, really. I'd be okay with it. But years ago, I was like 19 and went to visit my sister in Florida. All I'd ever wanted was a white Christmas. All I'd ever wanted. So we arrived in Florida, which is glorious in December, isn't it? But that was great because I was going to see my sister. To phone home on Christmas Day to find out it had snowed. (laughs) And they're like, oh, it's a white Christmas. It's a white Christmas. I'm like, oh, pipe down. (laughs) To then find out that my Christmas Day consisted of going and feeding homeless people. I'm like, mum. Well, I didn't say, I wasn't quite like that. I was horrific with her. Horrific at the thought of going and feeding homeless people on Christmas Day. I'm not proud of that. I am not proud of that. But you know what I did when I got there? I just pretended to love people. Actually, I didn't love anybody on that day. Because back home was white. And back home... In America, in Florida, in my sister's house, we could have been having a great family do. And actually, everybody walked through the doors. I wasn't moved by compassion because I was too selfish and I was too self-centered. And I could not get my head around the fact why my mum would take me to Florida to feed the homeless on Christmas Day. I pretended to love people. I just wore a really great mask. I'm sure by the end of it, people thought I was really nice. I was horrible. I was actually horrible. And then I got home, back to my sister's house, and ended up ill for the remainder of the time and couldn't get out of bed and ended up having to go to the doctors. It was not good. That's not just one occasion I've pretended to love people. I would like you to know that I have really, really grown in this. And like... (laughs) (laughs) because you're all thinking we've got a pastor who doesn't want to feed the homeless (laughs) for the record I'm having a meeting on Thursday me and Ian Urquhart about some homeless stuff and we're all okay with it right because (laughs) I'm really worried that you're all gonna go away thinking I'm a real horrible person I was 19 I'm now 43 okay I've been on a long journey and Jesus has walked with me and changed my heart but it's not the only time I've pretended to love people Growing up in the church, I pretended to love people. I pretended to love people. I actually didn't really love them. Why? Because the inner being of me, my heart, I hadn't allowed Jesus to change it. And when Jesus had stirred me, when he had done that, I was like, Mm-mm. no, 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 it's all right. Because I was busy. Because I was ambitious. Because I had an agenda. Hold tightly to what is good. and love each other with genuine affection. And take delight in honoring each other. Barry said something yesterday, and I'm going to misquote it now, but it's the gist. (sighs) I can't even quote it. (laughs) It was about... How good will the church look if none of us are trying to take... You, 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 look, you, you don't need to get up. It's good to, it's good to know you were listening to me. Seriously? Were you just pretending to live, listen to me? Were you just pretending to... It, it was how much could we achieve if no one cared who got the credit? thank you (laughs) he always comes in handy for something always take delight in honoring each other preferring one another not bothered about taking the credit God's challenged me on this this afternoon in the back room as I've been reading over these scriptures who are you bothered about (laughs) like who are you bothered about God said to me, Vicky, if uh, I never let you get up on the platform for another year, if I never asked you to preach, if I never got, asked you to give prophetic words, if I never asked you, is that going to bother you? Or are you going to be okay to honor somebody else who does it? Because it's not about me. It's not about me. The greatest thing that the Lord has charged me with is to love just as much as he loves. Is to love just as much as he loves. God has never loved me from a distance. Never. God has wrapped his arms around me. He's found me in awful situations. He's found me battered and bruised. He's found me hurt beyond what I ever thought anybody could hurt me. And he has grabbed me in my mess. And he has loved me with an unconditional love. God has got me in my sin. And he has loved me. With an unconditional love. He has loved me. With a limitless love. He has loved me beyond my mess. He has loved me beyond. Where he's found me. And he's lifted me. His love lifted me. And then he walked with me. And he went the distance with me. And then he let me go. When I needed to do it alone. Because my faith needed to grow. Because his love lifted me. As the church, we're not called to love from a distance. We're called to love like Jesus and to be willing to get close to the mess, to be willing to get close to people's raw emotions and to be willing to sit there and let somebody just spill out which you saw happen this morning on the platform, that was incredible what God did. I I don't know whether anybody else felt honoured and privileged that those people would get up here and say, this is where I'm at church, will you pray? Will you pray for me? That we would be stirred, an inner movement within us, that our hearts would always be to love one another. How powerful and effective the church will be when we are connected in the family how powerful when the many become one and we are connected how powerful when new people join the family how powerful when people come in and they're like wow wow I can come as I am to this place because his love will lift them and how will his love be demonstrated his love will be demonstrated through us This is a a word that is a challenge to us all. It's a challenge to us all to turn up on a Sunday and maybe exchange a phone number with somebody to go the distance, to go to somebody you wouldn't normally talk to in the cafe and sit with them and make a connection that we've never made before it's to go with the prompting of the Holy Spirit when you know you've got to go and speak to somebody and you're like, but it's awkward because I don't know them. The prompting of the Holy Spirit is helping you to see beyond what you see. This is a word that is a call to action. That on a Sunday we would come in and his love would be demonstrated here, but then what will happen is through those connections, it will go beyond it will go beyond a Sunday. It will go through coffee together. It will go through making sure people are in life groups, inviting people along to life groups with you. It will go to phone calls. It will go to, it will go to another level because you will be drawn to people and where they're at, just as Jesus was always drawn. And then you'll begin to go the journey and you'll begin to go the distance. Because love lifted me. Love lifted me. And I'm sure many are in here tonight and you go, yeah, his love lifted me. Now let it be an action. Let it be an outworking. And I want you to, as we leave this meeting room tonight, I want you to look at the people in the church this evening. Maybe people that you saw on the platform. Start to make a connection because you can only begin to love just as much as Jesus did with a movement. Jesus was always moved, Jesus was always drawn. Let the inner movement of our hearts always be to love one another. We buy in with our heart. If you're renting the church, there's no heart connection. When we buy a house, we make an investment. You see, when you buy your house, you don't just leave like that. You you buy into that house. That's where you put your roots down. Like I said at the beginning, and it's same with the church. How do you buy into the church and start renting it? You buy in with your heart. You buy in with your heart. Church, I pray that you've been challenged as I've been challenged to honour and respect each other and to look beyond and connecting the family to be able to love just like Jesus did.